one be on the screen for your reading if you don't have your bible with you after this there was a feast of the jews and jesus went up to jerusalem and now there was in jerusalem by the sheep gate a pool which is called in the hebrew bethesda having five porches and these lay a great multitude of sick people blind lame paralyzed waiting for the moving of the water for an angel went down at a certain time into the pool and stirred up the water. And then whoever stepped into it first after the stirring of the water was made well and of whatever disease he had. Now a certain man was there who had an infirmity 38 years. And when Jesus saw him lying there, he knew that he had already been there in that condition a long time. And he said unto him, do you want to be made well? And the sick man answered him, sir, I have no man to put me into the pool. And when the water is stirred up, but while I am coming, another steps down before me. And Jesus said to him, rise, take up your bed and walk. And immediately the man was made well, took up his bed and walked. And that day was the Sabbath. And the Jews therefore said to him, who was, uh, who was cured? It is the Sabbath. It is not lawful for you to carry your bed. Ha, ha, he, he. Amen. I want to talk to you today about being paralyzed. Amen. I want to look at these scriptures to see how they relate to us. I know that everyone has heard this text in the past and, and I want you to just give me a few minutes today to say to you what Holy Spirit has spoke to me. It would be a terrible thing to be limited in an area of your life, but to be paralyzed would seem to be me to be worse what is the word paralyzed? By definition, it means the loss of ability to move. To lose something means you must first have it. For there to be a loss of ability to move and sometimes to feel anything. In part, most of the body typically as a result of illness, poison, or injury. Synonymous words are immobility, powerlessness, incapacitated. And you see, in the scripture, there are all types of all different stories of people who have become paralyzed. There are things that come to all of us that are meant to paralyze us. We were running, but we got the phone call. We were doing good. And the bad report came. The boss said, we don't need you anymore. And good jobs are hard to come by. It serves to immobilize you. It serves to make you feel powerless and to keep you stuck in the place, in the time, and in the space in which you are presently in. It comes to take away your feelings and to numb you till you cannot feel any longer. Has anyone ever been there? Three of you. Well, let me just talk to three of you today. It'll be worth it. You see, the Bible speaks of many people in the scripture who has been paralyzed, stuck, placed, stuck in a place, a time or a space 
when the enemy found them and paralyzed them and and they they weren't able to go any further. In Acts chapter 3, it talks about them. Peter and John went to the temple at the hour of prayer, being the ninth hour of the day. And a certain man lame from his mother's womb was carried, whom they laid daily at the gate of the temple, which is called beautiful. How in the world can something be beautiful when there's such a bad situation? How could something be called beautiful when a paralyzed man is laying there every day? You see, we we sometimes overlook the, 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 the plights of humanity. We overlook the people that are hurting, the people that are broken. And sometimes we have to step right over them to get into the house of God. We have, they're there, but we don't look at them. We, they're there, but they've been there for so long that we don't even recognize that, that they're there any longer. But this man has been laying there every day of his life. They carry him to this beautiful gate with this bad situation and put him here in this, this midst so that he can ask for alms, so that he can beg, Right? Seeing Peter and John, he said unto them, he's asking for alms, his eyes are fixed upon them, and he, and he said to them, so he gave, he gave his attention to them, expecting to receive something. Whenever we come to the house of the Lord, this man may have not been there for the right reason, but, but yet he was there. He wasn't all the way in. It's like some folks today, not all the way in. But he was close enough that he could hear what was going on. He could hear the worship that was going on in the temple. He could hear the praise that was going on. He could hear the word of God that was being spoken. But he was not all the way in. But yet he expected to receive something. I want to submit to you today that if you don't expect to receive something, you will not. There's got to be a spirit of expectancy when you come to the house of God. Amen. Thank God you're here this morning. There's, that thank God that you're in the house. But listen to me. If we're not coming expecting, then what did we come for? If it's just out of religious duty, then all we'll get is what religion can give you. But when we come with a spirit of expectation, it puts a demand upon the anointing of God. It puts a draw on the spirit of God. I, whenever I go places and even when I come here, I know when people's been praying or not. Because if people aren't praying, if people aren't expecting... I can tell you before every Sunday service what kind of service we're going to have. Because whenever there is an, whenever people are praying, when people are expecting, it's not about what I can bring. It's about the anointing of God. And it will put a demand upon the anointing. It'll put a draw on the anointing of God. Amen. And so this man came expecting to receive something. Have you ever expected something and got something else? The good thing about God is you're never disappointed. 
You may not get what you was expecting, but it'll always be greater than what you were expecting. He will not disappoint you. This man did not get what he was expecting, but he got something greater. Hallelujah. This man was looking for alms. He was looking for some money to buy another meal so he could get there and beg again tomorrow. But Peter and John had been by the upper room. Peter and John had been to Pentecost. They had been to where the power of God, the third person of the Godhead, had now been released into the earth. They weren't, they, this wasn't the first time they showed up for prayer meeting. This wasn't the first time they went to church, but this was the first time after the Holy Spirit filled them with power. And they woke to the upper, they go into the house of God, and when they get to the house of God, they did not step over the paralyzed man anymore. They did not just put alms in his bucket so he could have something to eat tomorrow. They said, we know that you're wanting silver. We know that you're wanting gold, but today we've come to raise your expectation. Today we have come to change the trajectory of your life that no longer will you have to come here and beg for something to eat. But today you're about to receive a miracle. Today you're about to receive something that you've never walked in your life. But today is a different day. Today is a day of miracles. I want to say to you this morning that it is normal for miracles to happen when the word is being preached. It is normal for the supernatural to take place in the house of God. Amen. It is abnormal for miracles not to happen in the presence of the Lord. It is abnormal for the supernatural to not take place in the house of God. I would not serve a God that could not do the supernatural. Amen. I wouldn't waste my time going to a place and worshiping a God that cannot do the miraculous. It is normal. I know some people get weirded out. I want to tell you it's weird not to serve somebody that doesn't do supernatural things. It is crazy to serve a God that doesn't do And so just get weirded out if you want to. But I'm telling you today that the power of God is real. And it is natural to see the supernatural in the house of the Lord. Amen. That's what they seen. They seen the bones receive strength. And he went leaping. And stood up and praised God. The first thing he did was praise God. He didn't go to a seminar to learn how to worship. He didn't have time. He didn't have all of these things. He just got his miracle and went to worshiping God. Amen. And watch this. They were filled with wonder and amazement at what happened to him. We need some wonder and amazement back in the church. I said we need some wonder and amazement. Something that will cause you to scratch your head. Something that will say how, how did that happen right there. Amen. You see being paralyzed is a horrible thing. But if I can say this right. This man had never known the joy of walking. So he didn't know how wonderful it was. 
But when you've had something and lost it, it's even worse. Have you ever, have you ever, growing up and, you know, and as you walk and mature and develop and things, have you ever, during your life, you, you thought that uh, the first car you bought, it, it stretched you? And now you look back and wish you could buy that car for that. Amen. But whenever you've not had, it doesn't bother you to not have. But once you've had it and know how good it is and then lose it, it causes you to to recognize how much you've lost. And not only will it recognize how much it lost, but the enemy will use it to torment your mind. He, while you're immobilized, he'll say, remember when. While you're incapacitated, he'll say, remember how good it was. And not only will you be paralyzed, but your mind will be in turmoil because the enemy is raging against you, soul. In Luke chapter 6, verse 6, it said, Now it happened on, on the, another Sabbath also that he entered into the synagogue and taught, and a man was there whose right hand was withered. And so the scriptures and or the scribes and the Pharisees watched him closely whether he would heal on the Sabbath and that uh, might find an accusation against him. But he knew their thoughts, and he said to the man who had the withered hand, Arise and stand here. And he arose and stood, and Jesus said to them, I will ask you one thing. Is it lawful on the Sabbath to do good or to do evil? To save a life or destroy? And he had looked around at all of them, and he said to the man, Stretch out your hand. And he did so. And his hand was restored as whole as the other. Verse 11, but they were filled with rage and disgust with one another what they might do to Jesus. This speaks to me of a couple of things. I believe that it, first of all, it's literally happened. I believe there was a literal man with a withered hand that was in the temple that day that Jesus healed. I believe it happened that day. But I also believe that it speaks to us prophetically about the body of Christ today. It speaks to us of a a five-fold ministry. His hand was withered. It didn't say his arm was withered. He didn't say his shoulder, but his hand was withered. It speaks to me of the five-fold ministry that has been withered that has been limited, that has been paralyzed in the body of Christ, being the apostle, the prophet, the pastor, the teacher, and the evangelist, that has been limited in this day to where we do not, it isn't even a matter of not recognizing them, but discrediting them. To say that we don't need them today, that they don't operate today, that that was for another day and another time. But I want to submit to you today that what Jesus started is still happening today. What Jesus began is still happening right here today. Amen. And all the religious leaders were all upset because their minds was boggled by what had taken place. They, They had seen a man that was had a withered hand and they 
said, look, Jesus is healing on the Sabbath. That's against the law. Why? Because he's working on the Sabbath. But what these religious messed up people did not understand, it was not work for Jesus to heal. Come on, somebody. I said it wasn't work for Jesus to heal. All he had to do is speak the word and it took place. Glory to God. Hallelujah. I'm telling you that it, it, it still works for us today. Jesus is the same yesterday, today, and forever. And so what he has begun, he is still doing. And it's not work for him to heal you. Whatever sickness you may be dealing with, whatever problem you may be having, in your physical body I've got good news for you today there's already healing for that there's already healing for that Jesus has already provided it and he has given us through the atonement by his stripes we are healed glory to God so today he has already provided it for us you believe it give him some kind of praise today All Jesus did was speak the word and paralysis had to come out of the man's hand. Amen. That's how powerful our God is. If you believe. If you have a spirit of expectancy. Amen. Oh, they're paralyzed. They're in such a bad shape. What are we going to do? That's nothing for God. But our minds, we have so, and, and, and please understand my heart today. I, I hope that you believe by now that I believe in education. I'm doing almost all that I can to further myself in education myself. But it does not outweigh the presence of God. It works with the presence of God. Amen. But the old church, Sister Ava couldn't tell you how to do it. They just did it. Sick people would come in. They'd lay hands on them, pray the prayer of faith. They didn't know you were supposed to, you know, all this stuff. And, and please forgive me. I don't want to get on no hobby horses today. But, they, you know, I believe in, in churching. I believe in learning. I, I don't have time to bring all of it together today. But listen, we, we've got all these people today. Well, you, you aren't praying properly. You aren't praying this. You aren't praying that. No, they didn't know all that stuff. They just knew to touch God. And God did a thing. And then they'd ask, how did you do that? Could you teach us how to do that? That's the reason the disciples had went with Jesus all this time. And before he left, they said, can you teach us to pray? Amen. Because what, when he ever, I'm telling you today that we need to get to a place because today they've read, wrote books about how to pray. But ain't nobody getting healed. We've got, we've got all kinds of how-to-do seminars, and yet nobody's getting delivered and set free. Amen? But Jesus in our text just goes into this paralyzed man and says, Stretch forth your hand. And the act of faith, he stretches forth his hand, and when he does, it becomes just like the other one. Amen? 
I believe that every miracle that Jesus ever did, he always demanded that the person with needing the miracle participate in the miracle. And we've got people today that aren't passionate about being healed. We got people today that aren't passionate about being delivered. We've learned how to live with our problem. We've normalized things that are not normal. Amen. I'm fixing to get here. Look in our text at the pool of Bethesda. This, this, has, this scripture, you don't even know how much it means to me because God spoke to me out of this many, many years ago. But I want, I want you to see in, in verse number five, he said, a certain man was there who had an infirmity 38 years. When Jesus saw him lying there and he knew that he'd already been in this condition a long time, he said to him, do you want to be made well? I don't know about you, but I'm thinking that if I've been in a situation for 38 years and Jesus comes by and says, do you want me to fix it for you? I'm not going to start talking to him about all of the mess in my life. I'm not going to start talking to him and criticizing, you know, Jesus, I would have been healed, but brother Joshua, he wouldn't help me in. And, and, and you know all these cutters, they cut line all the time and I've been laying over here by the pool and when the angel came down, they'd always cut in front of me. Jesus didn't ask him about cutters. He didn't ask him about, was there anybody to help you? Jesus asked him, do you want your situation to change? Do you want the circumstances of your life to be shifted? Here he is for 38 years. I believe the first thing that I want you to see, I want to show you three things out of this and then we'll go. But the first thing I want you to see is the power of permanency. The power of permanency. After you've been in a thing or a place for so long, it becomes permanent in your mind. When the doctors come and tell you, you've got this sickness or you've got this circumstance, when you have a, a, a lifestyle, whenever you have a, a, a relationship in such a way, after so long it becomes normal even though it may not be normal. Even though you may be sick, it, you be, normalize your sickness until you learn how to cope or to deal with it. Now, I'm not preaching against you. I'm just want to. I want to challenge you today. I want to push in on that thing today. That's what Jesus did. He went to this man, knew he had been there for 38 years, and now it become normal for him to lay at the pool. But Jesus come by and pushed on him and said, I want to challenge what you think is normal. I want to challenge what you've settled for. I want to challenge what you have put yourself in agreement with. That even though you've been here for 38 years does not mean that you have to be here the rest of your life. You've just settled for it. You've just agreed with it. But I've come today to challenge what you think think is normal hallelujah you see 38 years to live in the same way people would say this is the way it's going to be the rest of my life 
When something happens to paralyze us, when it first happens, we'll declare, I'm coming out of this. When it first hits our life, when it first wrecks our ship, we say, we're coming out, we're going to get better. We'll be better than we ever were before. We have people that agree with us. If it's sickness, we'll have people pray for us. If it's a family issue, we'll have people stand with us for a little while. But the longer that it goes, the more we're willing to give in to, it's normal. If you're first sick, people come by and call, text, pray, come to the hospital, whatever. But then if you're 38 years into it, ain't nobody even praying for you. Huh? Nobody even believing for you. I hate it for you, but that's just the way it is. Because it's been that way for 38 years. But I want to challenge you this morning. I want to push in on your normalcy. The things that have paralyzed you. The things that have hindered you. The thing that has limited you. In your heart. In your spirit. In your relationship with God. To where that you think that it's normal to come to the house of God and no longer worship God. To where you think that it's normal to come to church but don't pray to the God of your salvation. Do you think that it's normal to go through the week without an encounter or an experience with an almighty God that we are to have a relationship with? It is not normal. We don't just come to church so that we can get a fix. If we've traded one fix for another fix, we're still in bondage. Amen. But I'm telling you today, I did not come here for a fix. I came here because I already have a relationship, an encounter with the Lord Jesus Christ. Amen. And out of my relationship, I want to be here with my family. Glory to God. And I want us to have a family reunion and an encounter together to worship the King of glory and to give him praise. And it's not normal. I know this culture has made it normal, but it's not normal for us to come up into the house of God and keep our mouth quiet and not be able to raise our hands and dance our dance and sing our song. If it is, then my friend, I want to challenge your normalcy today because whenever you come into the presence of an almighty God that has created the universe and he has created you and I, it is due respect for us to give him our best worship and our best praise. It's not normal for us to be paralyzed. It's not normal for us to go through the week and not bless the God of our salvation. It's not normal. We're paralyzed. We're limited. We have been restrained. And we have become confused because our limited paralyzed state, our immobile position in the spirit has become normal and we are satisfied with it. This man became satisfied with laying at a pool and somebody feeding him. 
What a kind of life is that? It wasn't like he was living in the Ramada or the Hilton. The Bible said there were five porches and it was kind of like when you study it, it was like a, in major cities, those that in nursing and listen, some of the others know this, but in major cities, metropolitan cities, they have hospitals designed for specific things. If you have cancer, you go to this hospital. If you have a trauma, you go to this hospital. If you, if you have a situation, you go to this hospital. And they specialize in it. There were five porches and they were specialized. It was a place to bring all the sick folk. And it wasn't like he was in the Ramada. It wasn't like he was in the Hilton up there. And, and, and they brought him food. By, made, he was surrounded by sickness. Have you ever noticed when you get to focusing on what you're surrounded by, you become like your surroundings? And as long as I'm focusing on my, their sickness, my sickness doesn't look so bad. That's the reason why folks that are bound by alcohol like to run together. It's the reason why people that are bound and addicted by drugs run together. It's because I know you're not going to accuse me and judge me for shooting up if you're shooting up. You aren't going to judge me for getting drunk if you're drunk. And so we're surrounded by these surroundings, this atmosphere, and, and we want to be where we're, where we're at. And we begin to look at that. Then we say, well, we're safe here. He was safe in the middle of sickness. But Jesus came to challenge his way of thinking. The sick man answered him, Sir, I have no one to put me in. No man has put me into the pool and the waters are stirred and while, it come, while I'm coming, another steps down before me. They cut the line. Jesus said to him, Rise, take up your bed and walk. And immediately the man was made well, took up his bed and walked. Amen. I want to ask you something today. What has you paralyzed? What has you stuck at the gate? Have you got saved and stuck? Have you had experiences of deliverance and his power only to get stuck at the gate? Have you went through life long enough and things have come your way to paralyze you until it has become normal to be abnormal? You can hear the word of God. You can see it. But you just can't believe it. That man was stuck at the gate. He was, he was close enough to hear the praises, but not close enough to participate in the praise. How can the place be so beautiful and yet be so ugly at the same time? What got you paralyzed? Is it words that somebody has spoken over you? Is it what has happened to you? 
Is it things that have taken place in your life that have caused you to feel like you cannot go any further? That this is as far as you can go in life. This is as far as you can go with God. There isn't nothing more that you can do because maybe you're unworthy, you're unfit. Maybe it's because of what people have told you, but you're stuck at the gate. And you can hear the beautiful praise, but you don't participate in the praise. You can't lift your hand. You can't say amen. You can't say glory to God. You can't give God a praise. How long has it been since you've experienced freedom in God? How long has it been since you've opened your mouth and praised him? Amen. I want to tell you today that as priest of this house, I'm going to break this spirit. You mark my words. I'm going to break this spirit. We're not going to have a church that's deaf and cannot hear and dumb and cannot speak. But we're going to be a place of praise. We're going to be a place of worship. We're not going to be ashamed. We're not going to be inhibited. Praise God. He said, if you won't praise me, I'll have the rocks to cry out to me. If you won't praise me, I'll get a little child. I heard somebody in the spirit this morning say, those kids don't even know what they're doing. At least they're praising. Amen. At least they're praising. I'd rather have people not know fully what they're doing and do it anyhow than somebody to be paralyzed at the gate. Amen. I want to tell you today, we need to break the spirit of paralyzation off of our lives, off of our praise, off of our worship, and give God the praise and the glory. We're not going to win this community in this region by being deaf and dumb, but we've got to have a voice. We've got to declare the goodness of God and we've not just in this house but everywhere we go we must give God the best praise amen it's the power of permanency at work in your life and it's been there way too long amen stuck how long have you been where you are How long have you been where you are in God? If we, if we was to raise up children and our child was, was nine months old and still the same size it was the day it was born, we would be concerned. But we've got raised up, we give our hearts and lives to Christ, it's called being born again. And yet we have no concern when we're still the same place we were the day we got saved. This is not a fire escape, my brothers and sisters. This isn't about staying out of hell. This is about having a relationship with the creator of the universe. This is about having a relationship and that he, Father God, has a family. And we're all a part of that family. And that family rejoices together, prays together, celebrates together, and declares his goodness over our lives. Amen. So how long has it been? I want, I want to look at what Jesus told the man. He said, arise. The first thing you've got to do if you're going to get victory over paralyzation is you've got to obey the voice of the master. Hallelujah. And the master came, Jesus came. And the first thing he said to him, he, after he 
asked him, do you want to be made well? And he went through all of these scenarios of why he's been here for 38 years. And Jesus acts like he don't even hear it. How many ever read the Bible? And Jesus, when he answers a person, it seems like he's not even listening to them. Because he isn't interested in engaging in a conversation that's worthless. He wants to get to the root of the problem. And the root of the problem wasn't another man. The root of the problem wasn't the stirring of the water of the angels. The problem was this man had settled for being paralyzed for 38 years. And so he pushes in on him and he says, listen to me, arise. Arise out of your doubt. Arise out of your fear. Arise out of your apathy. Arise from your complacency. The first thing we've got to do if we're going to experience the manifest presence of God, we've got to arise out of where we have been. Maybe it's been 38 years. Maybe it's been three weeks. Or maybe it's been three months. But whatever it is, it's too long. We haven't been here to live here. We've been brought here so we can arise and go into the place of promise. Arise and go in to the fulfillment of his word. Arise and go into what he has declared over our life. The first thing we must arise. Slap your neighbor a high five and tell him arise. Amen. That was pretty exciting for a Presbyterian church. Arise. And then he says to him, take up your bed. Hallelujah. Arise and take up your bed. I know it's elementary, but if I can get just a handful of people to get a hold of it today. Arise and take up your bed. Why did he tell him to take up his bed? Because this wasn't his home anymore. And if his bed remained there, he would be tempted at the end of the day to go back to where he had been for 38 years. But Jesus knew, he said, it's not time for you to just go through the ritual. This isn't just for a religious Sabbath day. This isn't just for a Sunday experience, but this is for the rest of your life, baby. Amen. He said, I want you to arise. I want you to take up your bed and go to another place. I hear the Holy Spirit saying, it's time for you to rise. It's time for you to come out of where we have been for these days, these months, and these years because this isn't where we're staying anymore. We're going to another place. We're going to another place. We're going to another place. And God has prepared a table before us. He has prepared a place for us. He has prepared a place that doesn't look nothing like what we see right now. He has taken us to a higher dimension and a higher level and he's calling you get up out of your bed arise and take your bed with you. Hallelujah. Take your bed with you. Take your bed with you. Tell your neighbor, take your bed with you. Come on, take your bed with you. High five three people and tell them, take your bed with you. You're not coming back here anymore. You're 
Hallelujah. If you leave your bed, then you'll always go back to where your bed is. Amen. I'm almost done, Melissa. You come and help me and you'll just remain standing if you want to. But the third thing he tells him, he tells him, arise, take up your bed and walk. And watch this third thing. It says, and the day was the Sabbath. (laughs) And the Jews therefore said to him who was cursed, this is the Sabbath. It's unlawful for you to carry your bed today. Ain't it like religious folks always telling you what you can't do? What you can't do. Come on. This is what I want you to get here and we'll go. He was healed on the Sabbath. He was healed when it wasn't expected for him to be healed. He was healed when he wasn't supposed to be healed. Hallelujah. It's going to get on someone here today. You may have not expected it today. It may not even supposed to happen for you. The doctor said it can't happen for you. The employer said it couldn't happen for you. The banker said it'll never take place. It ain't supposed to happen. But let me tell you something. That's just in the natural. But God said that it may be the Sabbath and there may have created laws against it. But I'm still God. And whenever I get ready to do a thing, I don't have to ask the banker. I don't have to ask your employer. I don't have to ask the doctor. I am El Elyon. I'm the most high God. I do exceedingly, abundantly, above all that you're able to ask or even think. My God, we just need to arise. Take up your bed and get ready because a miracle is coming. A unexpected blessing is about to take you over. Healing's going to touch your body. I know it's not supposed to happen, but God is still God. Come on and give him some kind of praise today. Come on and give him praise in this house. Of God. Hallelujah. 
Hashim.